You ain't nothing. ready to put five years of grind into anything yeah, not without happen. making a quarter. Right. Don't even start. Sometimes it takes that long to get over the hump. A lot of people want checks, but bosses cut checks. We want the money, but we also gotta use the money to make the money. So it's, it's really about having that mentality that you're ready to work. The reward come when you get down and you get on your grind. Do not complain about what you didn't get from the work you didn't put in. You have to answer for Santino, Carlo. And welcome back to this special edition of the Garageville Podcast. This is an inside job with John Jessup from Team Dream Rides and myself. Hey, listen, we've been at this for 20 years, he and I, and we've made a lot of mistakes. And we know that. And so we're trying to kind of, if we can, we can help somebody who's just coming up in the business or maybe struggling a little bit with some of the same things we have, uh, we just want to pass that information along. So... The Inside Job Podcast, that's what we call it, and that's what it is right now, and that's what we're doing with it. And if uh, if you guys have something specific that you want us to talk about, send us a DM. Hit us up at Garage Built Podcast on Instagram. Slide in them DMs. Give us something that you uh, you need a little bit of help with, maybe some direction. Maybe share with us a story that, that you have. Maybe you want to be on the podcast, something like that. But let us know. Reach out. We appreciate the DMs we've gotten so far. So. It's an Inside Job Podcast with myself and Mr. John Jessup. What are we talking about today? Oh, today we're talking about, I think that, you know, uh, just kind of looking at how busy I am and how busy you are and going into, you know, we're going into these events that, are, you know, this week starts the the event schedule for the whole year this takes yeah. us all the way through smoky mountain bike week i mean that's essentially yeah. you know this is the, the daytona is the begin beginning of the travel season and uh i think it'll wrap up um ironically enough i think you know that you moving to the area that you did in tennessee is going to create a situation where we have some really nice bookends and i think it's going to work out very well for for the, the riding community up there um so time Time is our, you know, I started thinking about what are, what are our assets, right? You know, tools are a good asset. A facility is a good asset. People are definitely, you know, I think people are a lot of times, um, that is the, the one asset that you can cultivate and mold and put, put time or, and put money into and, uh, and time into and, and put your work into those, into those folks and get them to do, um, what you need them to do. But ultimately it's all about time. Right. And so I've looked at the DMs that come in and one of the things that people keep asking us for is how to structure and this gets really specific. So we have to be a little careful how we do this, but how to structure their workday, how to structure their work orders and how to structure their pay schedule. Right. So there's lots of different ways you can do that. And you and I have had this conversation um, ad nauseum, um, you know, back and forth about, hey, how do we all get on the same page? And I think that <clears throat> the, the time being the one thing that we can't purchase more of 
You know, you can't you can't order time on Amazon. You can't, uh, you, you know, Steve Jobs with all of his money and all of his resources couldn't get another five minutes, couldn't get another five seconds on the planet. So I think that that's something we need to look at. And, you know, we've talked before about structuring what you do, structuring how you do it in, in order to alleviate some time. And I think that's a good place to start. Okay. So... So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll open it up with that and, and I'll, I'll open the floor or the mic to you and say like, you know, one of the things that we've talked about recently is let's start with, you know, a, a standardization of care, right? We set a standard in our, our shop and our customers set an expectation when they come there. So where those two things converge um, is, you know, did their bike get done on time? Are they being charged for the correct amount of time? And that's something that is really hard to learn because there isn't a, there isn't a playbook for that. Would you agree? I agree. But I think we should discuss coming up with a standard playbook in this call, in this deal. Yeah, I think that, um, that there's a way to extract everything that we're looking for for a standardized playbook uh, in the the conversations that we have on this podcast, plus on, you know, in private conversations leading up to and following up after these podcasts. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so... um, I, I guess I, I I had us just roll Let's right into it. I had us roll right yeah. into recording. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so, all right. Uh, I can I can do some 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 editing and stuff on that. But basically, what I'm what I want to what I want to uh, center our conversation around today, John, is trying to um, talk about time. Time being the one the one thing we can't get more of, the one thing we always seem to need more of, and and how it plays into how we structure our day, how we structure our staff, and how we structure uh, the organization of our of our facilities. Absolutely. What is the one yeah. thing? What is the one thing, John, that you feel in your shop um, that you guys really have a strong handle on? Is it is it you know sure. how fast the customer bike gets in and out? Is it how efficient your your inventory is? It, in it, what is the one key thing that you that you think that if you lost it, uh, that one key asset or 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 skill that you feel that you it would diminish your ability to put put things out on time? Well, you know that's there for me. There is no one thing. It's it's a culmination of a lot of things that have to come together in order to get a customer's bike in and out in a timely manner. Uh, in order to make sure that we do quality work, that the technicians can be efficient and make money. Um, it, it's, it's quite a struggle and it's something we work on every single day, you know? Um, you know, from the time, you know, a bike comes in the door, you know, I just want to go through my process or how. Sure. I think that's a great place to start. That is a great place to start. Okay. You know, so, um, you know, the bike comes in the door, talks to a service rider, you know, service rider goes through everything. He can, all the information he can obtain out of the customer. And let's say it's for a repair because upgrades are easy to plan. Repairs are hard to plan, right? Yeah. They're also easier to sell too, you know? You know, you know, um, we don't know what we're getting into until we get into it, right? right? So, you know, service writer, you know, says, all right, uh, we need, you know, three hours labor. We're just going to get authorized for three hours labor off the gate, right? 
Right. Because a lot of repairs can be fixed for under three hours, you know, um, parts and all that. So, like, say you've got a fuel pressure leak or intake seal leak or exhaust leak or something that we can just get up on the rack, get it done. We don't have to call the customer, leave a message, wait for them to call us back, all that. So, we just try and get everybody authorized for a minimum of three hours labor. Um, now, say we get it up on the rack. Now, each one of my techs has two racks for this reason, right? Okay. You get a you get a, a bike up on the rack, and you take it apart, and you're like, ah, fuck. You know, here, we need this, or we need that. We don't have what we need to complete the job, which I try so hard to have most of the common items. But we both know shops like ours, we're not Harley-Davidson. We don't have the, the kind of pockets to have everything in stock. And most sure. Harleys don't do that anyways. Um, so we get up on the rack. We diagnose what's going on. Now we got to order parts, get them here, all that. Uh, you know, so that, that's kind of the process, you know. But in order to do that, we got to have a service writer, okay? I have a parts-to-service person or, a, you know, they do shipping and receiving. They manage the work orders once they've left the once they've left the front counter, you know, they're in charge of saying, okay, we have all the parts to complete this job now. You know, they go back to the service writer, service writer will dispatch it to a technician, you know, and this is all in um, all in what it takes for us. Our goal is to get our technicians to bill out 40 hours of billable labor a week. So, you know, so if that, you stop, that happens rarely. Right. Right. I was just going to say, so, so, but back up, backing up to the process, what I want people to understand is that sure, you know, you can sit there and, and, and say, let's say somebody is listening to this, um, somewhere in the middle of the country and they've got a nice little bike shop that they're running and they're like, okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it would be really nice to, to have a service writer, but I don't have a service writer, John and Jason. I don't have a parts person, John and Jason. I'm the service writer. I'm the parts person. So my answer to them is, is I want them to think like this is that, listen, just because you don't have that resource available to you at this point in time, doesn't, negate the ability or the responsibility that you have to build those processes in place. And so you may be wearing two hats at a time. You may be wearing three hats at a time. John and I have both had to wear multiple hats and that doesn't change the process, right? That doesn't, uh, that doesn't, um, absolve you of the responsibility to be organized. That doesn't absolve you of the responsibility to know where things are at. So you're going to have to create systems in place, right, John, that are that that take up and, and make up for those deficiencies in your staff so that you can work towards having them. One of the things that you told me a few years ago, you're like, listen, <clears throat> you have to get a service writer. And I said, I can't afford a service writer. And you said, you can't afford not to have a service writer. And you were right. You know, a good service writer is going to pay for himself. A good, a good technician is going to pay for himself, right? All these, all these people and parts and, and so, places and all those things come into play. So let's let's think about it like this, right? Because I've I've done a lot of thinking on this subject over the last, you know, five years. Because the first fifteen years of my business was I was trying to wear all the hats, right? right? And the first fifteen years of my business, 
I I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I was trying to keep the lights on. I was doing all the struggles that we've all done, right? Right. And I had a guy, uh, Mike, um, Mike from Ride On Motorcycles in Vallejo, have that same conversation I had with you. He goes, John, you have to hire a service shredder. You can't afford not to, right? And the way he explained it to me and the way that I firmly believe, and this is something I look at everything through this lens at this point in time, right? Okay. How can I, because we only have so much time, so we have to be efficient with our time, right? Right. So say you own a bike shop and, and you're a fucking hell of a tech, right? You're, that's why you got into it. You love working on bikes. You love, you love it like we all do. Um, so you open your own bike shop figuring, okay, I can be, I, you know, I can be a hundred bucks an hour. I'm making $10 an hour at the dealer or $20 an hour, an hour at the dealer, right? right. Well, every minute that you're answering the phone, every minute that you're having customer interactions, every minute that you are in that space, you're not making $100 an hour. You're not making any an hour because you can't bill customers to answer the phones, or most of us can't. No. Um, you can't bill customers for writing their work orders. You can't bill customers $100 an hour for ordering parts, for checking in those parts, for making sure those parts are put in a box on the shelf ready to go. So I would argue to the, to the guy who says, if you're, if you're a small bike shop and you have the demand, right? You right. have 10, 10 bikes lined up waiting for you to work on them, right? I would, I would argue you're losing money by answering the phones. You're losing money by trying to do it yourself. You would be more efficient to hire somebody and pay them 15, 16 bucks an hour to be a service writer, be a damn good service writer. And, you know, I try and incentivize everybody in my business, you know, and find some sort of a bonus program, some sort of a, a a way that if you succeed, they succeed. That way, they have a vested interest, and they're not just clocking in to clock out. Right? Yeah, you know? they're doing. You're doing the the um, the meritocracy, which I hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge favor of, in favor of you, that. You got to give people a piece of the action. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to build your organization. You're trying to build. You know, assuming that this is your goal, is to is to actually have a real business or I don't want to say that because that's derogatory. Because there are some guys, you know, I've got a buddy, Clint, he's in the middle of Kansas. He owns his building outright. He's a one-man show most of the time, you know, and maybe he has some help here and there, but that's all he wants. He doesn't want, you know, 10 people working for him and all that. But let's assume that you're, you have a bike shop and let's assume that you want, you want to grow this thing. You know what I mean? Sure. You want to, you want a business that at some point maybe, it will run even though you're not there. That's you know, and that's the key thing. We'll, we'll come back to that. You know, let's assume that that's your goal, right? Well, then you got to build a team. You got to build a staff, and you got to do it one person at a time. And I would argue, for a small bike shop, the number one person you need a good service writer because then you can be in the back actually making real money for your business at that point. And you hire somebody to do something that you, you know, that they're good at. And a lot of times being an owner of the shop, 
it's our our tendency to give stuff away. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Every everything <clears throat> in our brain is. I'm not going to say it's easy, but we know these things in and out, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that a good portion of the people in the motorcycle industry just want to, you know, like we. I like fixing people's bikes. I like it when somebody has a problem, and I already know, like they're like. Yeah, I've got this high idle. It keeps fucking, you know, it's 2,000 RPM, even though I'm sitting. I'm like, yeah, you've got a fuel pressure leak or intake seal leak. I sure. already know. You know what I mean? But we have to be paid for that knowledge. That knowledge isn't free. Well, it certainly you know? wasn't free for us to learn it. It certainly, you know, we've, no. we've been mired you know? down in the in the, the minutiae of all the things we're talking about right now where we're talking about like, well, you've got to have, you you know, you've got to have a service writer. Well, you have to know what you want out of a service writer. You can't just, uh, you can't just say, well, you know, I mean, you can, but it's not, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a very, very logical thing to ask somebody to do something in your business that they haven't seen you do or know that you absolutely do it at a high level. I think it's incredibly important that we know how to like, you know, I, I, nobody can earn, nobody can in my business can sell like I can sell at the front counter. And to be quite honest with you, there's opportunities where, or there's times where I outsell what we can do in the service department. And that's a problem that, that shows up. That's where other things show up as deficiencies, right? <clears throat> yeah, Jason, but it's our job as, as the, the the owners of the shop, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's no way you can give somebody 20 years experience. You just nope. can't do it. They have to have their own experience. But it's our job, and I would argue the reason we're doing this podcast, it's our job to, to train and educate and teach the people, um, you know, who come into our organization you know, how to do things better than we can do them. Absolutely. You know, I've got a a gentleman, Ben, who works for me, who's way more organized than I am. If I, you know, one of my biggest faults is, you know, I've got a messy desk. I'm not a clean desk person. You know, I, uh, when I'm working on a bike, you know, like I just got done building this bike for Daytona, man, it looks like a fucking hurricane went through my fucking workstation. You know, and I wish I was that neat and organized guy. And Ben is that neat and organized guy. You know, so um, when you're hiring a service writer, figure out what you suck at. You know what I mean? Like, if, you know, if you're looking at yourself like, okay, you know, I, I'm, you, know, you step outside of the box, you're like, okay, what am I not good at? Find a service writer or find somebody who's better at, better than you at doing those tasks, right? Absolutely. And and then then all of a sudden you're able to, you know, this I hope this doesn't sound sucks, but like you're able to delegate things that you're not good at or that you're just not naturally good at. I think we if I if I was like, hey, I'm gonna have a clean work order, if it was important to me, then I could do it. But you know <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> but but find those people who compliment you in what your that's not your natural inclination. Sure. You know? So when you're looking for a service writer, find somebody who's got good customer service skills, who likes to talk to people, who's good at building relationships. Because we're in the people business as much as we're in the motorcycle business. Absolutely. It's our job to, you know, 
like a guy goes into a Porsche dealer or whatever, and and it's just hey, who cares? Whatever. You're just you're just a customer, right? Well, people buy a Harley because it's the lifestyle. They love this shit. Oh, know? absolutely. And, and maybe, even maybe if they don't they know don't they love it, they do it. Yeah, yeah. And <clears> maybe they don't have the opportunity to live it like we do. But you know, when when they come in the shop and you make them feel special and you make them feel like that they belong, almost like a Cheers atmosphere, right? You know. Um. Oh my God! You, you have the people hook, line, and sinker. You know, and and that's not in a, a derogatory term or a hey, we got a fish on the line or some shit like that. Is no, we do it because we also love it. Right. You know, we love motorcycles and we love building those relationships. So you find a service writer who has those skills. I'll take a guy who's got good people skills and and all that because I can train them about the parts. I can train them about knowing what a primary is and all that. You can't necessarily train somebody to know how to talk to people. You can't train somebody to know how to de-escalate a situation. You can try, but some people have it and some people don't. Yeah, well, so let's back up there for a second. So what we're talking about is structuring your business in order to, it sounds like, anyway, I want to back up and, and kind of go over this. It's like your business doesn't have a lack of need of X, Y, or Z because you don't have a person there. And, and in fact, it needs it more. And in order to have the people that you need in place, you have to have systems in place, right? So what we're talking about is identifying and we, what we what we initially discussed was time, right? And so all these things we're talking about are freeing up time for you as the entrepreneur, as you as the CEO of your of your brand, as you as as the boss man, having the ability to pivot and find other opportunities because that's what time that's the time that's created by putting people in place that are better at th- certain skills than what you are. I always tell people as a manager. <clears throat> your number one job as a manager is to try to find your placement, right? And even as an entrepreneur, even as a CEO of your own company, that should still be a goal of yours. And not so that you don't have to go to work, but so that you can work more efficiently, so that you can find other new opportunities. Because John, if you were still sitting in Stockton, California, in the same building you were in 20 years ago, you, your brother, and you hadn't you hadn't discovered uh, vehicle sales, then you would just be a repair facility, and so that means you're limited to selling parts and and service. And if you and your brother hadn't thought, you know, a little bit further outside the box and said, hey, you know, we can sell vehicles, we can uh, we can get a dynamometer, or we can start. We don't have to just do repairs; we can do upgrades. So everything kind of just happens. If if you didn't make time, if you didn't bring your brother in to make time in your day to to look at other opportunities, this might not have happened. So you have to look at people as a way to alleviate time and open time well, up yeah. in your day. So, so you're absolutely right. So what will happen is, you know, you're a small bike shop, you open, you know, you have, maybe it's you and a guy or whatever, but you're both, you're trying to do everything. You know, you hire a service writer. Next thing you know, you're more efficient. Next thing you know, you're making more money. And, when the word gets out in the community that, hey, I, man, I got my bike in there, I, it got done, it went out, next thing you know, there's more bikes to work on. Right. So now you go from maybe a one mechanic shop or a two mechanic shop, now you got three or, you know, we got three in Tennessee, you know, right now. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 
you're making money on three guys instead of just yourself. Right. You know, and when you're making money on three guys, you're like, oh, okay, well now, like for me, uh, my brother-in-law, Jim and Jim and myself, we started doing vehicle sales 10 years ago. Right. So it's all about time, right? How much time does it take to make $2,000? Well, you know, in the service department, we know how long that takes. You sure. Know, selling a bike, you do that in about an hour, you know? So <laughs> right. we're, we're, you know, we're more efficient making money, building resources for our company so that we can do everything better, you know? And, and that's really what it comes down to is um, you have to have the resources you know, you gotta, we gotta wade through the mud to get to the top or, you know, not to the top, but you know, cause it's a never, there's no finish line. It just keeps moving forward. Um, but I would argue that, you know, time is, the, you know, obviously time is the most valuable thing. You have to look at time as a resource and how can we best utilize our time to further our goals, right? And if our goal is to grow our company, well, you know, it's time to grow then, you know, uh, it's time to, you know, if the demand is there and I'd, I'd argue most bike shops in the country, the demand is there. You know, you have more bikes than you can work on, you know, you're trying to work 80 hour fucking weeks or, or even longer to try and do everything under the sun so that, you know, you, you think, well, why, why would I hire somebody, you know, I can just do it myself. Well, that's a backwards thing. You need to hire somebody so you can do more yourself. Yeah. So you can have the freedom. Because, you know, if I if I don't have the guys to keep my shop running, with, whether I'm there or not, I can't go to the auction and buy bikes. No, you're right. And if I can't go to the auction and buy bikes, then, you know, I can't make money on those bikes. Um, if I can't uh, keep the shop running and go to Daytona or Sturgis or whatever, I can't further my relationships in the motorcycle industry that, you know, may lead to other opportunities that I don't even know exist, you know, um, you know, it's very, very, very important. And so that is a very, that, man, that is like, to me, that is like such a, such an, another conversation that, that needs to be had at some point in time about the fact that, um, that, you're going to you're going to find as a business owner, especially in this business, that there is a underlying overtone um, of that you are somehow not doing. Um, I don't know how, how to even put it. Like you're kind of like you. There's the hate comes your way because too. because and it'll sometimes come from inside your organization because you're getting to do things that other people are not getting to do. And you know, so, so I, I could see how that could happen. Right. And I, I've been very, very careful in my business. Right. And let, let me explain. So, you know, we have our morning meetings every day. Right. You know what I mean? And I run a pretty transparent shop, you know, everybody knows, you know, how it's structured, how the finances work. Like, it's not, it's not, um, some big secret, right? Sure. And, you know, anybody who works for me, right? So most people who work for me at this point, you know, except for my brother, you know, and, and 
Uh, I mean, we've got, you know, Wyatt and Stockton and, you know, Annie came around after I was fairly successful and maybe Wyatt too. But, you know, if someone comes around and, and they've only ever seen the success, they didn't see the struggle. They just right. maybe assume it's always been like that, you know? So, um, you know, I try to be very, very transparent with everybody in my, my company and explain to them like, Hey, look, here are my goals for our bike shop. So I explained to everybody who works for me that my, our goal, my goals in our bike shop is I want to be the best aftermarket or independent motorcycle dealer in the country. Now that's a metric that, you know, is, is not even, it's not even measurable. It, it's not measurable. It's not talent tangible, but nonetheless, that can be our goal, right? If we sure. said that as, Hey, here's your, here's what we're trying to be, you know? And I explained to them like, Hey, look, during the hiring process, I say, Hey, look, you know what? I'm hiring you because I'm not here half the time. You know, I'm gone. I'm out running around the country, shaking hands and kissing babies and trying to further the dream ride brand and enjoying the motorcycle industry that I've been part of for since I was a fucking boy, basically. Right. You know, I, I, I'd argue that a 22 year old guy opening the shop is a boy, not a man. Yeah. I would, but, I would have to, I would have to agree with you. Know, you. So, so what I'm saying by that is like, Hey, look, I had to pay my dues and I'll, I'll tell a guy who works for me. I was like, if your goal is to open your own bike shop, I'm here to help you. Right. Agreed. I'm here to show you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how this fucking works. I'm going to try and give you every advantage so that when you leave me and you try and open your own bike shop, you have, you have a chance of success. Yeah, because, know, because those people are associated with us, whether we, they, they associate with us yeah. or not, they're associated with us. And that's something yeah. that I've always been proud of the, the fact that, you know, people that have worked for me have gone on to have a very good, uh, very, very lucrative um, careers where they've helped other people with their business as well. You know, so, and for, for me, it goes like this, but because I'm blatantly transparent about how, what it takes to get this job done, right? Most of the guys who come to work for me through the years, you know, who may have like said, Hey, look, you know, my goal is to open my own bike shop. They'll come to work for me and they'll be like six months later, you know, they'll be, Hey, John, can I talk to you? I'm like, what's up? He goes, Man, I've changed my goals. I do not, <laughs> not want to open a bike shop. shop at this point. <laughs> yeah. But I had no idea what it takes, what what goes into this. You know, yep. people don't realize. You know, and and um, you know, for the vast majority of us, we're starting with zero capital or minimal capital. We're trying to make this happen. You know, by hook or crook, and you know, there's a lot that goes in into this to 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 make it happen on any kind of level. Absolutely. Um, So you either, you either have a rich dad or or you're got a lot of money and you're able to start. You're able to spend a lot of money learning how to do things incorrectly for quite some time. Exactly. You're going to lose a lot of money before you figure out how to make money or you start with nothing and you gotta, you gotta stretch your way to the front, you know, to the, not to the top, but you gotta stretch your way up. You know, to get to the point where, okay, you have a staff, you have ways to make things happen, you have resources, you have all those kind of things. And I think that this podcast is really probably geared towards that guy, you know, because that's right. who I am, that's who you are, you know, 
we didn't start with money. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no. And being but, fair and being, being transparent as, as you say that you are, and, and I know that you are because we've been friends for so long, being per- perfectly transparent, we're still hand to mouth at cycle stop USA in order to grow our business. We had to take on exorbitant amounts of, um, you know, loans and, and things and finance things. And we've had bad things happen in in the interim where we've had to pivot. And so it's not like, it's, it's not like we just find a way to make it work. And that's one of the things you have to be willing to do is, is you have to be willing to make it work. And I don't want to scare anybody away and say, well, fuck man, if you're not making it, then I'm making it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, but you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm never done. This, uh, this job doesn't no. end because I go home at the day might end, but tomorrow, this place is going to be here tomorrow. As soon as I get here, it's going to be here again. And you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's not, it's, it's, it doesn't end this, this job doesn't go away. Even when no, I'm not working. Day. Yeah, it is. Day. Absolutely. You know, and, and I don't care what level you're at. Right. So, you know, we have, I have a big staff and we got, we got a lot of things going and things are good. But guess what? Because we have a big staff and things are going and the, the balls, the machine, the machine is there, but the machine needs to be fed. And you have a big machine, it eats a lot. Yep. You know, and all of a sudden you have three bad weeks and you're like, oh, fuck me. Like, wow. You know, so you know, we have to save all summer long to get through November, December, January. Mm-hmm. You know. And hopefully come, you know, end of January, February, people are in the bike mood and start spending money again before, you know, we're all eating top ramen. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we we do have it going on and it's pretty freaking good. And things are, things, the ball is moving well. And, and so far we've got a good machine. But I'll be the first one to tell you, come wintertime, we're hand to mouth. You know, it's, it's. You know, we're trying to figure it out any kind of way possible, trying to get bikes in the door, you know. So, you know, I, I do not want to paint this picture like, hey, I've got this all figured out. No, I, the part part of me that is so excited about this podcast is, you know, for us to learn as a collective, um, you know, as, as this goes on and we want to bring in people who have different takes or maybe who are more successful or you know, whatever, I can't wait to learn from others. You know, this is something I'm super excited about that I wish existed when I started my shop because there was nobody. I just had to figure it out. Like, shops didn't talk to each other, or at least I didn't no. know any that did. Yeah, you know? they, they were not interested in, you know, I, I still to this day, it's funny <clears throat> because I'm, you know, I'm an open book, so I, I expect everybody else to be an open book too. And so I've called shops in the last year. I called shops. And I was like, Hey, this is Jason at cycle stop USA. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. No, nothing. What's up. And I'm like, Hey, what do you, where are you guys at on, uh, where are you guys at on, on, uh, on hourly rate? And they're like, uh, I actually had one guy. I called him. I'm like, Hey, this is Jason at cycle stop USA. He's like, what's up? I won't say who he is, but, um, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, where are you guys at on, on labor? He goes, who is this? And I said, this is Jason, Cycle Stop USA. He goes, ah, have we met? And I was like, what? And I, I said, dude, you've yeah. been to my shop. You've been to my show. You've done, What are you talking about? 
Oh, I'm just, yeah. I, I, oh, I'm just messing with you. I'm like, okay, like, look, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I'll show you my P and L. I'll send it over real quick while we're on the phone. You know, maybe you'll see something. Go, hey man, why aren't you doing this? And I can go, oh, damn it, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, people are weird. Yeah. People are so weird. This, this bulldogging of information, this bulldogging of success, and this bulldogging. You know, people that there are people, especially in our business, that really truly want to see other people fail. That's what they want. They think that's the yeah. only way that they, they think that's the only way that they level up is if other people fail. And it's like, that's not how you level yeah. up. How you level up is, is you help people that you can learn from. And those people learn from you and we all level up together. And we, yeah. you know, we're going to find, we'll find the, the, the even point where it's supposed to be, you know? Yep. It, it'll it'll figure out it'll figure out where it's supposed to be it, it'll level itself off yeah. it's like water so yeah. so you know go ahead. go ahead no no go ahead no i was gonna say that that is the the ultimate thing is you know i would argue that i'm gonna tell you 95 percent of the bike shops in the country probably have for most of the year now winter months can be a little bit different but i'm argue that most of them have more work than they can get done yeah. Would you would you agree with that? I think the ones that have the potential for success have more work than they can get done. Absolutely. Absolutely they yeah. can. In business, relationships are everything. As a small shop owner, your suppliers are key to the relationship you have with your customers. Key benefits like parts availability and a diverse list of brands set Hard Drive apart from the crowd. While other distributors are trimming their catalog brands, Hard Drive is adding new brands almost monthly. Hard Drive has brands like NAMS and Electric Lighting, Hoffman Designs, Santoro Fabworks and Sawiki Speed, Racing Brothers and Fox Suspensions, and dozens more just to name a few. With six warehouses coast to coast, it's likely that Hard Drive has a warehouse near you that offers one-day shipping in many cases. Since 2013, Hard Drive has grown to become the first book of choice in many independent shops and dealers due to their lightning-fast shipping and excellent customer service. Visit hdtwin.com today to find a dealer near you or to become a dealer. Yeah, so, like, that being said, like, so, you know, one, one thing I want to work on is, you know, a labor guide, right? Like, if we can get like ten bike shops together and be like, "All right, um, here's my labor guide. Here's what we charge to do these jobs." You know, wh- what what are you guys charging? You know, uh, you know, my guys. You know, we we can average about they get about thirty hours a week billable hours. Well, I want to get them to forty. You know, so we have to be more efficient on parts and getting them what they need so that they can get the jobs done in a timely manner, you know, but you know, are we giving away hours? Are we, you know, as a, is the technician not trained in like, Hey, look, um, you know, as, as a tech, you're just like, I'm just fixing it. Well, if, if we're billing four hours to, to take a primary off, replace the, the seals and the transmission and the guy's got, uh, you know, a fucked up clutch basket. Well, you got to charge more for the clutch basket. You know, you can't just do it in that same amount of time or there's extenuating circumstances that, you know, maybe, maybe the last guy who worked on it put, you know, a whole tub of silicone 
on there. Or Loctite well, to the moon. Yeah. You know, or there's a stripped boat know, hole. Whatever, whatever those extenuating circumstances are, well, it's, it's not our bike. You know, it's not up to us to fix, just fix it. No, we have to be paid. That's just how this works, you know? And so we have to stop and call the customer and say, hey, look, here's what we got going on. I hate to do this. I don't want to be the guy who sounds like he's just milking you for more money. Here's what we got going on. And I'll explain to the customer, like, my technician, you know, he's got to be paid. He's got a family to feed. You know, like. And most customers, when you when you hit them from that angle, like, hey, I'm not just a sleazeball just trying to milk you for more money. You're like, hey, look, here's what we're going on. I welcome you to come down and see it. You know, that's why we have two racks so that if we're in the middle of a bike, you know, on, on rack A, and we got to call the customer and we invite every customer to come down and look at the problem, right? That way they don't think we're fucking just trying to milk them. So um, let's, that's a good place to, then, for me to interject. Okay. Call your customer one time. Don't call them multiple times to do this. Do this one time. This is where be be planning. So I have a rule in my shop. If you ask any of my techs and pull them off to the side to the side, what our rule is is we don't stop when we find something broken. We stop when we find something that's not right. So if you're going into the primary, uh, you keep and you start finding broken parts. You go until you don't find any more broken parts. That way you're only calling the yeah. customer one time and you're saying, listen, here's where we're at. You know, you need fork seals. I had a guy yesterday. We have fork seals. You need a battery. You need a voltage regulator. We've got you for the two hours of diagnosis on the electrical because we charge a minimum of two hours diagnosis on anything electrical. And if we can fix it within those two hours, then great. If we can't, then we go outside of that and we call you as far as, you know, to bill it out. But yeah. You know, there's there's a lesson in in, in that, and that's where it's at. No, is yeah, you know, yeah, don't yeah. call the customer don't once. Wear a customer out. Yeah, don't call them once, and then call them again, and then call them again, and then you're like, uh, you know, and then they're then they're now they're starting to get up, up, upset, and and they're yeah. you know they do feel like you're you're milking them, and they feel like you're yeah. you come off as unorganized and 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 uninformed and and not not in in the know of where you should be on these things. Yeah. There's been many times, and that's something we're, you know, I hammer down with the guys all the time. It's very hard to do, you know, but we got to look at the bike as a, a complete bike, you know, and what happens is the, the tech, you know, it's, I think it's human nature because I'm guilty of it. You know, it comes in for an inner primary lead. I don't know why I always go back to the inner primary lead, but you anyway, do, but that's our, it but it's a good one. It's listen, yeah, I've made more, you know, more money off of legit made more money off of inner primary <laughs> leaks in my 20, 20 year career than anything else. <laughs> so heaven forbid, Harley figure this out. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway so, um, you know, it comes in for an inner primary leak. Well, it's really easy to put your blinders on and only look at the inner primary. Well, it might have a bald front rear tire. It might have fucking board brake rotors. It might have leaky fork seals. It could have an intake leak. So what we try and beat into everybody is, look, look at the whole bike, right? First thing we're going to do before we even put a wrench on a bike is I want a full bike inspection. We both right? use the same form. We both use yeah, the same form. You, you, you gave me the form. Yep. So I want you to go stem to stern on this bike, and I want you to look at everything that you can possibly see without even putting a wrench on it. 
right? Right. That way, that way, okay, you have notes, right? Now we're going to start taking everything apart. We're going to figure out what we got going on pertinent to the job that we're doing, right? Right. And, you know, that way the goal is to call the customer once because I've we've made that mistake. We've worn customers out and we've made them feel like, oh, these guys are just fucking, you know, like they see our, our number on the caller ID and they just cringe. You know, we don't want that. Or that we're, or that we're, we're a circus of idiots that doesn't know how to put a motorcycle together. And and that can be further from the truth. What we're trying to do, here's what, here's what I think. And I'm going to just, I want, I want shop owners to hear this. You made a comment earlier about you, you and I tend to be giveaway artists because we own the shop, right? Yeah. I think that what we're doing is our natural inclination is to save people money. And so our natural inclination is to, we feel bad somehow about the motorcycle that we do that list on and go, this thing needs so much stuff. I feel bad calling the customer and that's good that you feel bad calling the customer, but it's not, it's, it's, it's okay. It, it, it's okay to feel bad once in a while. Everything can't, can't feel good and you can put yourself in the customer's shoes a little bit and if there's some some reasonable allowances that you can make for the customer that's fine but ultimately we sell squares of time in our business we do sell parts too but ultimately it goes back to what i started the conversation with 42 minutes ago is that we are in the business of selling time that's what we sell we sell squares of time and we only have so many available you have three techs they have 40 hours do the math, you know? I mean, yeah. when you're at work, you should be getting you should be getting paid. There's a few wins, a few losses, right? Everybody takes a few yeah. a few Ls, you know? Even Michael Jordan has yeah. a few Ls, but um it's important that you don't wear the customer out and uh, that you know, remember something. We fix motorcycles, we don't break them. So, here's here's another thing to think about, right? Because is our natural, is my natural inclination. I think a tax or most people's natural inclination to feel bad. The guy who brings this fucking bike in and it's clapped out, right? Right. Well, what we have to, what we have to remember is, okay, first of all, we didn't clap it out. Right. Okay. Secondly, you're providing the customer a service by doing a thorough inspection. Because we have to pretend that the customer doesn't even know, right? <laughs> now, right? Now, we're, we're in the Harley-Davidson space, and a lot of customers are very educated. They know a lot about their bikes, but we have to assume that they don't, right? So we're going to give this bike a full inspection, and we have to look at it as a service to this customer. Hey, look, would you like to come in? I'd like to go over this laundry list of stuff we have on have to find on your bike, Right. Right. And and when we when we do it from that lens of, hey, look, we're providing a service. Now, it's, up, it's not our bike. It's not up to us to fix this bike. It's the customer's bike. It's up to him to fix this bike or to make the decision whether it's fixed or not. Right. Right. It's his money. It's his bike. It's his problem. You know, and I don't want to sound insensitive, but bottom line is everybody here has fucking, you know, people who rely on them. I've got a family who relies on me to make a living. You know, my techs have a, have homes and, and vehicles, and, you know, they've got to feed their machine. Yep. So it's not fair 
for us to just give stuff away. We can't do it. Nope. You know, if I won the lottery, I'd have a bike shop and I'd, I'd do shit for free for people I like and tell other people that, you know, fuck off. But <laughs> that's, that's not my reality. And I'd argue no. it's not most people's reality. So when we look at it is we're providing a service to that customer. Hey, look, you know, we actually took the time to give your bike a thorough inspection. You got a leaky rear rocker box. You got all these things. You know, and give them honest advice. That leak, that rear rocker box is steeping. Is it mission critical? Probably not. If you can't afford it, I'd say your brake rotors are more important. Sure. You know, um, stuff like that, you know, and just be straight up with the people. And I think most people will, um, will value that more than, oh, fuck, I don't want to call this guy. Let me just fix this primary and send it out. No, um, yeah. No. You know what? Because then you look like, oh, you know, they put blinders on. I'm going to use this as an example, all right? Because I would argue that me, you, and uh, most people who own a shop, you you know these things intimately. You can put a pile of bolts on the floor, and you can fucking name where those bolts go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like Dustin right? Hoffman and so, Rain Man. Yeah, right? <clears throat> but so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this as an example. I have a 2005 Ford F350 Dually 6.0, right? And I know fucking jack shit other than it takes diesel gas, right? Right. And, you know, and how to drive it. I don't know a lot about diesel. I don't know a lot about this shit. I'm trying to educate myself, but I don't know shit, right? So right. I, I've been searching for a shop that can treat my diesel the way I know how to treat a Harley Davidson. You know how hard that is to find? It is so hard to find a specialist, somebody who knows this shit inside and out, right? And I would argue that a lot of the, the independent motorcycle shops know these bikes better than the Harley Davidson dealer. I would know, absolutely say that because we you see know? we see broken so, bikes outside of warranty. Yeah, so this is... You know, you can work on fucking shovels and up. Holy shit. You know, like, it, it won't be long before Harley Davidson says, says no twin cam. So, um, so that being said, <laughs> that just, you know, like, that just fucking, is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre. But, you know, we have to look at it through the lens of, you know, we are fucking specialists, right? Right. We have to treat ourselves with the amount of respect that that deserves, you know? So much, there's not very many spaces that there are people like that, you know, or at least, you know, I, you know, I'm sure there are, you know, as far as other genres, but I would argue that most places in the country have some guy like us, whether he's on social media or not or whatever. I'd argue that there's probably some independent, you know, in a hundred mile radius from you that knows his shit, Yeah. you know, and and what, how fortunate it is for the motorcycle industry to have that. And that's why we're doing this podcast so that we can help these guys be successful so that we can help ourselves be successful so that that doesn't go anywhere. Cause I'll tell you what, fuck man, trying to find somebody to do like, who knows my, you know, my diesel truck. Oh my God, dude, I would love if you're listening to this podcast and there's somebody in a 200 mile radius or a 250 mile radius in Knoxville, Tennessee, who knows 6.0s like a fucking stud, please turn them my way. 
you're doing, you know, <laughs> like I'll, I'll drive five hours to drop that thing off because I want to drive that thing until I'm an old man, you know? Right. Um, but, but think of it like that. Like, Hey, look, you, you are a specialist. You know, this shit, it's your duty to inform the customer. You're providing a service for the customer when you know to look at, Oh man, that front wheel bearing, that sealed wheel bearing, uh, the 20, everybody knows the 20, or not everybody, but we know that the 25 millimeter bearings on Harley Davidson's are problematic, right? Right. So, oh wow, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a spray pattern going on the hub of that wheel. That bearing's going bad. Maybe it's not bad yet, but it's going bad because the oil is coming out of the front of the sealed bearing, right? Right. When we're looking at things at that level of detail, and you're able to save a customer from, oh, wow, you know what? You could use new wheel bearings. Here's how I know. That guy's going to be thankful, and you're going to win a customer for life because he doesn't have to be broke down on the side of the road somewhere. When, you know, every bike that comes in, you can order a, a battery load tester off Amazon for cheap, right? Yep. Every bike that comes in, you hook that thing up. You do a battery health test. It has a little printout. It tells you, hey, the battery's at 80% or 60%. Yeah, the bike still starts. But if you show this customer, hey, look, we did a test on your battery. It says it's at 60%. It hasn't failed yet. Would you like a new one? I'm going to tell you 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 are going to say, fuck, yeah, thanks. I appreciate you checking it. You know, um, it's all those little things that, you know, we are specialists at what we fucking do. So we have, so then it becomes in, like we talked earlier about customer setting expectations and us setting standards in our shop. So you need to set a standard in your shop of care, you know, just like the bedside mannered conversation that people have with, uh, with a doctor. Oh, you know, he's a good doctor, but he really doesn't have any bedside manner. And it's like, okay, so it's the same thing. We need to have the same standard of care in our shops and we need to develop that. And we need to hold, you know, we don't need to hold each other accountable to the point where I don't need to call you and go, John, I really think that, you know, you need to step up your game. But what I'm saying is, is like, you know, when you, we, it's okay to have these conversations with people in your industry and go, hey, what do you guys do as far as a safety inspection? And someone goes, well, I really don't do one. I just check the bike over for them. Like, okay. So don't you think that, you know, that, that safety inspection worksheet that you and I use, um, that I, I've used it for, for a good number of years, you've been using it for a number of years now. Um, it really is for all intents and purposes, it's a passive sales tool also, you know? No. Yeah. Our number one is our job is to make revenue for our business. Our job is to ensure that that technician who works for you can pay his fucking bills. Yep. Right. That's my job. I, I owe that to my employees. You know, first and foremost, before I own anything to any customer or anything, you know, now it all works hand in hand, but those people who trusted me to come to work for me, I owe them, right? Right. I don't, I don't take that lightly, you know? So that, you know, by providing that level of service to a customer by work, you know, we're doing the safety inspection. We're treating ourselves like we are specialists, Right. Right. Number one, we're providing a customer to we're providing a service to that customer, but it's a sale. At the end of the day, it's a sales tool, right? Um, if if you send a bike out that needs fucking brake pads, well, why? You should have made money on the brake pads, and the customer would be happy to give it to you. Yeah. You know. So in in marketing, right? I've learned a lot about marketing over the years. 
the, there's no better marketing than they, what they call after marketing. Someone who's already familiar with you and your brand and you hit them again, right, with more marketing because they already know, like, and trust you, right? If a guy's bikes in your shop, there's a good chance he knows, he likes, and he trusts you. Yep. Right? Well, by by marketing to the person, by giving him this phone call of, hey, look, here's all the stuff that I see that you need, you know, would you like to do it? All that. Man, most people are going to be thankful that you called them. You know, yeah. they don't want to. They, they, you know, they want good brakes on their bike. They want to fix the leaks. They, they love their bikes, and they're thankful that you can work on them. So, you know, um, we just got to change the lens, and it was very, very hard for me to do. You know, it was very hard for me to wrap my mind around because I looked at it from the lens of, oh, God, I don't want to call this guy and ask him for more money. Uh, you know? All right. You feel, you know, because nobody likes that phone call. Nobody likes to be like, oh, fuck, here's all the shit you need. But at the end of the day, when when we're able to provide that service and the guy's able to go ride with his buddies and he knows he's, there's a good chance that he is going to be problem-free, man, like, are you kidding me? That's what everybody wants. Right. Well, no, I mean, you're, you're, they're, they're bringing, you know, and it's getting back. My favorite thing too is like, I I hear it all the time and I'm sure the people who work here, if they listen to this podcast, they'll know what I'm talking about. But I I always think it's funny when mechanics and technicians, whatever you want to call them, get mad because a customer doesn't take care of their bike. (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, uh, you can't be personally affected by that when they're bringing at least they had they brought it to you to fix it so let's let's just get it fixed and you know maybe have a nice conversation with the customer about like hey in the future you know like you should probably not leave fuel with ethanol in it sitting in your fuel tank for three months if you're not going to ride your bike so yeah or put put some enzyme treatment in there yeah right but but like so yeah, you can't be affected by that, but you also have to think of it like this: like it's very easy for us to be in this space where, like I keep saying, we are the specialists, right? Right. You know that you shouldn't do that, but you have to assume that the customer doesn't know, right? Sure. It's not because they don't care. You know, as tech or, or people in this industry, we're like, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. You know, what the fuck? You know, all this shit. You have to assume that this guy just doesn't fucking know. You know, and if you can educate them in a nice manner, you're also going to win a customer for life. Because that's our job is to not just have a customer one time. You want them forever. Yeah. You know, you want them forever. But this, you know, we started talking about time. And and this is what I'm talking about. Like, this all plays into time because you can only fit so many bikes in your shop. You know, it takes time to put bikes up and down on the list. It takes time for each customer interaction. So if you can maximize the time, you know, by doing these safety inspections, they, they're gold. You know, they are gold because you're providing a service for the customer. You're setting yourself out as a specialist because we looked at the whole bike. We, we talked about everything that this bike needs, right? You're setting yourself up as a specialist and you're maximizing your time and your sales efficiently. You're trying to, you know, make fucking money at the end of the day. That's our job. And visually, visually, money. visually, the, the form that we use is, is very well done. Um, 
you know, we use the exact same form at your shop that we use at mine. Um, we've been using it since 09. And I always put it, I always make it a point to put it in front of the work order because it's, they see it. And they, you know, and I have people all the time, like, you know, you're at three thirty seconds on your front tire or you need rear brake pads. Right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, here you are, sir. You like, and then they take it home and I've had customers take it home. They give it to their, you know, give it to the, the wife who handles the money at home. And they're like, what's this? And it's like, well, this is, I have, it's a safety inspection. And it says on here that you need brakes. And there's like, yeah. She's like, did you get brakes? No, I didn't get brakes this time. Why didn't you get brakes? Like, don't you need fucking yeah, brakes? Like, I'm not riding with you. You don't have brakes, stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and they right. call me. I'm like, hey, how? when can I get those brakes put on? And it's like, okay. So yeah. it, it's just kind of funny. Well, it is. But I would argue that the vast majority of people that I run into are thankful that we do it. They're thankful that we check. They're thankful that we're being thorough because – you know, that guy might be a hell of a truck driver or whatever the hell they do for a living, but they don't fucking work on motorcycles for a living. I can guarantee you that. So right. The chances of them knowing their bike as well as you do are pretty slim. So when you go through that thing, you know, and you do this, like you said, we're providing a service and most people are thankful that you do. Yeah. You know, some, some, some of the guys get, you know, a little antsy, like, oh, fuck, man, this guy's trying to milk me for money. And I, you just educate him, like, hey, look, anybody to look at it, it's my job to tell you everything is wrong. It's your job to decide whether you fix it. You know, if, if I don't tell you that you need brakes, then what kind of person am I for letting it out of the shop without telling you? Yeah, if you, you come in know. for, if you come in for brakes and I'm like, not telling you if you come in for for a tire and I don't tell you, you need brakes. That's 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 shitty. Yeah, that is shitty. <laughs> you know, because you have to assume the customer doesn't know. You know, but um, but yeah. So it's about time. Get a fucking service writer if you can. You know, if you have the demand in your shop, in my opinion, that's the the first step toward growing your business to the point where you can get bigger or you can have more resources because it's like a snowball. You know, it is so hard to get that snowball going. It is so fucking hard, you know? And, but the more resources you have, the easier it is to hire a third or a fourth or a fifth guy, you know? It is. And, and next thing you know, when you have more people and you have a really good team, it just creates more resources for you to do more things. It's just a snowball, you know, it really is. Um, you know, where, where, Oh, you know, I started as a service business and okay. I've been able to stack enough coins. I'm going to buy a few motorcycles. I'm going to actually go through the process of getting my dealer's license. Yeah. And next thing you know, you, you have more avenues of income than just, what your service department does. Cause I'm going to tell you 95%, maybe higher percentage of the independent bike shops have one revenue stream and that's the service department. And maybe that, you know, the profit on the parts, um, you know, can help pay some of the bills around the shop, you know? Uh, 
you know, that's pro- that's in my experience, that's typically our business model. Well, you got to change that. You got to have, you know, figure out how to have more revenue streams than just the service department. Yeah. And I want to get into the, you know, since this is uh, essentially a, a, a business podcast, I want to get into uh, very soon, the, the, maybe the next time that we do this, talking about the actual structure, the financial structure of, of how you should be thinking. I mean, if we're thinking um, in a nuanced fashion for people that are trying to start a bike shop, or maybe they just started a bike shop, or maybe they're just trying to get to add that one other piece that they don't have, because some people, when I got into the business, I thought immediately, you know, we'll just have parts. People work on their own stuff and we'll just, we'll have parts. And I, I very quickly realized, holy shit, no one's buying parts because we don't put them on. So this is very different than cars. So it required us to have a service department. So we learned, you know, I learned in a shotgun method, you know, with basically with a gun to my head, figuring out making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, right? Of things that I had done wrong. And so um, I want to get into kind of structuring some of those things. So to wrap things up today, um, you know, we've talked about time and we talked about alleviating time and we're still kind of, this podcast is still kind of in the same stage that maybe your bike shop is in. We're trying to, John and I have all this experience. We have all these ideas. We have all this knowledge that we want to share and we haven't really kind of, it, it, it hasn't built its own structure yet, but it will. The more we do this, the more the more feedback that we get from you guys. And thank you very much for the positive feedback because the DMs do come in. You can send, you know, if you, you can either DM John directly, you can DM me at the Garageville Podcast on on Instagram. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is to try to pull you along. No meaningful change can occur without a meaningful relationship. So we want to be that meaningful relationship that helps you build your business, helps you get where you want to be and helps you, you know, helps facilitate some growth. And, you know, there are no cheat codes, John, you've talked about that before, but there, we're not going to bulldog information to the point to where, uh, we're, we're not helping people. I mean, this is about helping people. Well, it's about, for me, it's about, I know, I know the toll, uh, dream rides is taken on me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, in 07, having to sell my bike to keep my bike shop open, uh, having to cut the fucking padlock off the water meter so my family could have water, um, all the sacrifice, the, the working from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m., thinking that that's how I was going to make money, and that's not how you make money. Um, you know, all the all the mistakes that I made, if we're – you know, and you've made and, and collectively as an industry, if we can have guests on here or whatever, you know, and we can help somebody and they can take one little fucking nugget from this, right? If we can just help people in this industry that I know I love and I know that you love, yep. we can help them maybe not have to go through some of the fucking shit that I've gone through or some of the shit that you've gone through, right? Then that's my goal. My goal is to make this so that, you know, we have successful shops all over the country. You know what I mean? You can level up. <clears throat> and we you need know? success. John, we need more, more, more than ever right now. We need 
successful shops in this industry. And, and, and I'll explain to you, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain why, you know, we are under the microscope right now in this industry, certainly from powers that be in the government and other appointed agencies like the EPA, where they're trying to reduce our ability to repair, modify, you know, hot rod, all the things, you know, the, the aftermarket is low hanging fruit for them. And, um, we need to stick together and we need to have these conversations and that's why these are so important. No, yeah. I mean, we need without successful independent bike shops throughout the country, this industry that we love and, and cherish wither away. You know, you have the big box stores, Godzilla and JP cycles and all these people like, you know, undercutting our profits and all that. Well, we don't really discount parts, you know, and the reason we don't is because, we have fucking bills to pay. We everybody can't. In my building, everybody in my building needs to ha- deserves the ability to earn it and earn a living. You know, well, how do we get full price on parts? Well, we offer the service to go along with it. You know, we yep. offer the level of expertise to go along with the, the, you know, so that the customer doesn't mind paying an extra 10% on their parts when, you know, we're, we're giving you a level of expertise that Revzilla and JP Cycles can't fucking give you. Yeah. End of story. You know? So we need, and there's a lot of guys in this industry who are that guy, who have that level of expertise, but none of us really have gone through business training. Or the vast majority of us have never run a fucking business before. You know, we've never... you're absolutely right. You know, we don't have any training as far as this goes. So as a collective, if we're able to help one another... And I'm doing this for selfish purposes because I want to learn some shit so I can level up, right? And there's guys out there who are way more successful than me. And if we're able to all share knowledge, then, hey, I I want to learn as much as I can. And I'm I'm willing to share as much of my knowledge as I possibly can. Because, man, I don't ever want anybody to have to fucking sell their bike to keep their bike shop open. Motherfucker, that was hard. Right. That was fucking hard. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's know, funny to me too, that, that it was the same time. It was the same time. I'll tell you a quick story when we wrap up, uh, and, and then we'll wrap up 2007. I went to Daytona bike week. I hitched a ride down. There was somebody that I knew that was going, I had nowhere to stay. I went down, I worked for Aaron green from Paramount cycles. He put me up in a, uh, in a, um, like a rented RV that was, uh, that was, pro bono given to him by the international master bike builders association for the week. I stayed in the infield, slept in a, in a, in a, uh, in a trailer. I didn't have a car down there. I didn't have a, I didn't own a motorcycle at the time. I had to sell all my motorcycles, but I still went to bike week and I still worked and I, cause I, I wanted to be, I wanted people to know that I was still there, that I hadn't gone anywhere, that I was still active in the industry. And that was the year that I met Buck Shaw who owns, uh, who is the promoter, one of the promoters for, uh, TMMR and we're still good friends to this day. So, uh, you know, we've been through some shit, John, and it was funny that it's the same time you went through the same kind of thing that I went through at the same time that I did. It's just, we didn't even know each other then. No, no. But I guarantee you, there's guys going through that right now. Yeah. And if you're going through that right now, reach out to us. Let's, let's have a conversation. I'm not, we're not going to put you on blast, but let's have a conversation. I, I, I'll answer my phone. You know, send me yeah. a DM, send John a DM. Let's, let's, let's see if we can't help you. Let's see if we can't 
have a conversation with you. Let's see if we can't light a or, fire under your ass or whatever it's going to take to get you where you want to be. You know, another thing that we, we haven't really talked about is for most of us, right? All your buddies, your family and all this, a lot of them have never had a business, right? Right. So, you know, we, we rely on our, our people our, in our circle, our family and friends to give us advice. Well, if they've never fucking been there, they think they have the greatest advice in the world and they don't know shit. Right. You know, so, so if you're going through this or you're going through some shit, pick up the phone and find a friend in the industry that you're in, right? Build relationships with those people because those are the people, whether it's me or Jason or, or somebody in the next town over or whoever it is, you know, find somebody in the industry that you can call and talk to because this can be an isolating experience. This can be something that makes you feel like there's nobody out there to talk to. You right. <laughs> I mean, and you really certainly like, don't want to call somebody who who has negated or marginalized or poo-pooed your idea. You don't want to go to a family well, no. member. I'll, I'll tell you yeah, an, yeah. another real quick story that happened to me. I, you know, I wanted to be in this business so bad. This was, I mean, this was all I wanted to do. And so I went to the local chamber of commerce. I took a, I wrote a business plan. I, I kind of knew how to do that. I, I had read enough books and seen enough things. The internet really wasn't very big back then. And I went and I signed up at the local chamber of commerce in, in the town we were going to open the bike shop in. And they put me, when they, when they do that, they put you with a mentor. So I go and, and I schedule this appointment in this, just this grizzled old banker with a three piece suit met me for coffee one morning and I showed him my business plan. It was in, you know, I put it in a, in a nice little binder. I had every, I thought I had everything there. And he looked at me and he told me, he goes, this is never going to work. And I said, well, why is it going to work? He goes, you're going to be out of money in six months. He goes, you don't have enough money to do what you want to do. And I said, well, what about my hard work? He says, what, what about it? He goes, if you do this, he goes, you're going to be in business without six, without, uh, you'll be out of business within six months. And that was in 2003. And I just picked up my binder. I didn't even let him keep it. And I just, I walked out. I didn't even thank him for his time. I thought, fuck this guy. This guy has no idea what kind of intestinal fortitude I have. This guy has no idea how much work ethic I have. This guy, so I've been there and John's been there and we've been through some nasty shit. So if you're going through some nasty shit, reach out. We're yeah, here. Reach out. We're here for you. We're here for you. And we won't solve your problems. Don't think that. But at the same time, you can bend an ear to somebody who may have been through a similar situation. You know, man, I didn't think this was going to turn out to the, be the, the motorcycle industry hotline network. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> motorcycle suicide Don't hotline. Mo <laughs> motorcycle Don't industry suicide Don't hotline. This is Jason. How can I direct your call? Can you hold for a moment, please? <laughs> Oh, we could, but listen, we're, we're all still in it and we're all still in it together. So, all right, John, you have a good evening and, or a good afternoon. Good morning. Good afternoon and good night. Yeah. It's like the Truman show. And I will talk to you very soon. Everybody else, make sure you're like, follow, share, and uh, DM us. If you've, if you've got something that you want us to, uh, want us to help you out with, man, or you got a subject for the, for the podcast, let us know. See you, John.